Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Standing by, the Terry and Ted podcast is sponsored by the UPS Store Canada. The Standing By Podcast. That's a good intro. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Terry DeMonte. That's Ted Bird. I'm the Frito Bandito. Yes, you are. Mm -hmm. Are you allowed to be? I don't think the Frito Bandito wouldn't fly today. The Frito Bandito commercials from back in the day? Probably not. With the hat and everything, the gun belt and stuff. Or the two lazy cats on the Bugs Bunny cartoons. yeah. 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 Didn't he have a gun belt, the Frito Bandito? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, so he wouldn't fly on a number of levels. Yeah. 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 But anyway, that's a story for another day and another podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Standing By Podcast. As always, brought to you by our very good friends at the UPS Store Canada. UPSstore.ca is the website. Our good friend David Drucker uh, had lunch with us earlier this week because I was in town. It was a... Nice opportunity to break bread. And I said to David, it's 380 stores now, isn't it? And he said, yeah, I think so. Ish. Ish. Yeah. And that's because they're going quickly. Uh, By the way, he also told us, if you've heard these commercials on the Standing By podcast before and thought, I think I could run a UPS store, you can find out how to become a franchisee on the website. But in the meantime, if uh, you're looking for help with your uh, business, business from home. A lot of people run businesses from home now. The UPS store can help you with everything. You can get an address there. You can get your mailbox, pick up your mail at the UPS store if you don't want people to know where you're running your 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 business out of home. A lot of people don't want their home address on, on their business. They can handle that. They can take a passport photo, which is a really... I had no idea. Yes, yeah, Not a clue. Me. Are you allowed to smile on your passport photo? That you'd UPS have to ask store? the folks at the yeah. UPS store. And uh, they uh, can take care of shipping, packing, uh, you name it, if it has to do with running a business. Or never mind running a business. If you need to ship some stuff to your kids at college or you want to send some Christmas pressments across the country, (laughs) uh, they can handle it all for you. The UPS Store. Find a location near you. It's easy to find. The UPSStore.ca. Let's introduce our guest for this episode. Please do. Back in 2009, when I quit Shome in a huff and went, yeah, fuck you guys, I quit. <laughs> and then I went, uh-oh. <laughs> what do I do now? Got to eat. En- yeah, what I ended up doing was going across the St. Lawrence River to the sovereign Mohawk territory of Ganawage, where I met Chuck Barnett, who was uh, running the radio station in Ganawage, K103, and Chuck hired me, and I had two great years over there, and uh, got to know Chuck, and uh, he's one of my favorite people. He's one of the smartest and funniest guys I know, and I asked Chuck before he came on the show, I asked him yesterday, Chuck, can you send me a bio? And he sent me uh, an autobiography. <laughs> it was quite a book. Chuck has the most 
the longest and most diverse resume I've ever seen, Chuck. I know of a lot of the things yeah. that you've done over the years, uh, including running the radio station yeah. in Ganawage. Uh, you run Mohawk Internet Technologies, which is, what is the technical uh, term for it's that? A data, it's, the, it's a data center and part of a global uh, internet network. A global private network. What I didn't know is that you uh, laundered money at one point. Would you now, please, sir? Uh, these are the type of things we'd like to uh, call indictables. Uh, no, there's been no money laundering. Uh, I actually have to go through really stringent uh, background and probity checks uh, annually, so no issue there. You go back, we go, uh, well, you and I go back to 2009, as I mentioned, Uh your own your own story is it's absolutely fascinating, and I'm not going to be even begin to, uh, uh, to to try to tell it because I can't. That's best left to you. But it started in Maine. You were born in Maine. I grew up on the coast of Maine. Uh, my father was an iron worker, so when World Trade Center was going up, with towers one and two. 1970, 1971, the pay scale was horrible on that job in New York. So uh, we migrated up the coast of Maine to build a nuclear power plant where I was. Came out of my mother there, and uh, I grew up on the coast of Maine, coming back to Ganawaga every summer and recommitted, you know, uh, renewing my relationships with all my family. So I kind of had two homes at the same time. I had my home on the coast of Maine and my Ganawaga home. So I uh, grew up very typical of the time, uh, raised a lobsterman. So from the age of six, I went to work on a commercial fishing vessel. I mean, you say today it's like something out of uh out of charles dickens novel but by the age of six i was operating a six-ton commercial fishing vessel learned to do everything on the boat baiting irons catching lobsters hauling traps uh setting traps uh mending nets everything so if your dad was an iron worker how did you end up in a lobster boat i was sold into indentured servitude <laughs> at a very young age oh <laughs> yeah, no yeah he, he got out of iron working because uh during the carter years uh the economy went to the toilet when jimmy carter was in power and there wasn't a lot of um um large jobs happening during that period. So in our migration to uh, to the States and to uh, the coast of Maine, uh, he went into commercial fishing. He's like, you know, I'm at a certain age. I'm getting a little tired of hanging my ass off steel in the middle of November in downtown Manhattan. So I uh, let's try this out for a while. Chuck, was he one of the workers that are famous for being able to work high atop? Yeah, he was a connector. He, uh, yeah. He, yeah, he was. And a it's a thing with, with is it specific mm -hmm. to Mohawk people that they have the ability... I've, not, they, I've read... Yeah. It's no, almost like an yeah. old wives' tale. Well, Mohawks aren't yeah. scared of heights. Yeah, no, Is yeah. that a load of shit? I, that, yeah, that's what I want to know, if it's a I, load of shit. I, there's, there's a couple components here, and I don't speak with any authority. I don't speak on behalf of any other Mohawks. It's just through my own anecdotal observations. It's a different regard for not just heights, but the space you occupy. Oh, okay. okay. Interesting, yeah. Okay, so yeah. what drives us nuts is when we go into a shopping mall or we go into the city... You guys are just crowded so close together in terms yeah. of physical space. There's no, not no, there's very lit, there's a very different kind of spatial yeah. awareness in terms of the bubble you occupy. Now, the same thing if you were to look at, say, a European person's steps in the stand, in the, in the sand. If you follow, to follow footsteps in the sand on a beach, you could quickly identify a Mohawk's footsteps from a non-native's footsteps because Europeans tend to straddle when they walk. They take they have a wide stance. Interesting. They take up a, a very wide volume of real estate when they walk. But if you watch a Mohawk's footsteps, okay, it's almost like you're rolling on the side of your feet. Okay. Wow. So so the 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 depth of the impression is going to be on the outside cutting edge of the heel, um, on the heel on the edge of the foot, and it's 
there's some theory. Listen, I'm no uh, Bertrand Russell or anything. I, I have no monopoly on good ideas here. But in essence, if you move through the eastern woodlands of North America, walking on the cutting side of your foot, uh, you make a lot less noise. Now speed that up and start running through the woods on the side of your using the cutting sides of your feet. You're almost stealth-like. Wow. Yeah. So my own personal assessment is that it's observance of physical space coupled with the um, the walking the walking position. Because I, I've read a lot about you know Mohawks right. building skyscrapers yep. and bridges and yep. you know places where. I, I'd need to wear a diaper if you even like push me out on onto the ledge. Yeah, it's um it's a whole different lifestyle. Yeah. Um it's not for everyone. No. Uh, all my uncles, my grandfather, all my grandfathers, everybody was an iron worker in my family. So I'd be like the first generation that's not iron working, for example. But yeah. um he used to bring me to work. So probably one of the earliest jobs I went up on was World Trade Center number seven. I was eleven years old at that time. Wow. He was a walking boss at that point and uh he would, uh, instead of having me do nothing all summer, he'd bring me to work. Uh, so World Trade Center, we'd be sometimes, we'd be in Brooklyn, sometimes we'd be in Queens. And that's it. That that was my normal, well, was was things like that. And, and, the, and the migration of having to get up Sunday night at midnight yeah. and then make the drive. Make, make the drive into New York, and then it's go, go, go. You're on the job. Oh. Chuck, at what point in your life did you realize uh, that you were indigenous and that that was no, no. Listen, follow me here, and that that was separate from Terry and I and and our culture, and and uh, that there were okay. certain advantages, certain disadvantages. Like you know, when did that? In the words of Archie Bunker, yeah, kids are rotten. Okay, <laughs> Kid, kids are rotten, and uh, kids are quick to point it out when when you stick out amongst everybody else and i and i grew up in maine amongst all you know french canadian descendants of which maine is very much populated by and you know young tough irish pricks all all these kids and when you're the only kind of dark-haired sort of almond-shaped eyed slightly different your family right. slightly differently complected they let you know right away that you are not one of us you're you're something you're the other you're different and so you just you adapt, you improvise, you overcome, and uh, it builds a certain tenacity in you, a resilience in you. And because wherever we go, we're outnumbered. We make up, I mean, Indigenous people make up what, 1%, 2% of the overall population of Canada. So whenever we enter your spaces, we know we're outnumbered, like immediately. Yeah. There's no question about it. So, you know. It's and, interesting to me that you use that phraseology when we enter your spaces. Mm -hmm. So you did feel separate. Well, yeah, I, I thought I, I had sort of touched on that with the kids yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I, I know when that when I relate to you, yeah. okay? Um, That's interesting to me. That's there's there's certain cultural barriers, and, and not, not walls, yeah. but just you two relate with each other or yeah. your families relate with each other in a very different way than we. We're very physical. Right. So, like, it's not beyond us to punch you in the arm <laughs> okay. instead of laughing. Right. Okay. Right. It, it's very physically engaged. Okay. between each other but we also know some people don't like to be hit we know <laughs> <laughs> some people do yeah. but this is, but it, it's all in that course of engagement it's everything from eye contact it's everything from body language it's all these things and you're very aware of it and you know you get home yeah. and you're like mom why do, why do they talk like that when they really mean this why yeah. do, how come they say this but they mean just the opposite 
at the same time. Yeah. So it's a lot of these things that have to get uh, negotiated on a daily basis. Yeah, and I'm not trying to position it so you're different than us, no, Chuck. No, no, because, no, 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 no. Because no, no. I don't yeah. even think of like I, you know, I'm thinking yeah. of you in the in the in terms of of introducing you on the on the podcast. Yeah. And one of the fascinating things to me about you is that you, you know, you come from a different background than yeah. us. But when I'm with you on yeah. a friendship level, no. there's nothing. There's We're no spitting Hogan's well, yeah. heroes and references exactly. to, you know, yeah. uh, you know exactly. Kelly's heroes. Yeah, yeah. I, listen, because I don't, I, again, I have no monopoly on good ideas, okay? This greater, larger culture, okay? It's very much driven by shared media. So when you guys get together, you make references to media, television shows, movies, books, um, uh, pop stars that you know and you're aware of. And that's very much ingrained and embedded in part of your daily culture. We'll call it lower, lowercase c culture. Capital C culture would be like your language, uh, your lineage, you know, your politics. But the lowercase c stuff, the stuff you have on a park bench, that's, um, that's a different thing. And so, listen, we've been watching with great interest, <laughs> observing patiently, <laughs> rubbing our hands, <laughs> waiting. <laughs> okay, no, no, I, no, I kid. Uh, but uh, so part of being a Mohawk is you're also surrounded by all of these uh, multicultural communities mm -hmm. in, in your hometown, in your backyard. So you become keenly aware of all the differences between different peoples, and you do your best to adapt and and improvise. And we'll set up a community in Brooklyn where there'll be 100 Mohawk families in Brooklyn, and we know that we're here for a while. Like, even when we say, like, when we say in English, we say, like, where do you stay? Now. Yeah. You, yeah, right? I know that one. Yeah. Okay. So you know what that you, means? Where do you stay? No, sir. Where do you live? Okay. Yeah. And it's not just a, a change in words, but there's, it's, it's not just swapping stay for live. Where you live is home, and home for us is Ganawage. Right. You're just staying here. For now, it's it's transitory. Okay, I understand. Do you know what I'm saying? I, yeah, or even where sense. you stay in the yeah. village, uh, he wants yeah. to ask me for directions to someplace <laughs> once, yeah. and uh, he, he stays here. Uh, well, that's where he is now. I don't know if he's going to be there right a year from now or five years from now, but presently he stays there. So it would be like when people say to me, "Where are you staying?" Like because I'm not. I don't live here anymore. Yeah, well, yeah. Right. They said, "Where are you staying?" Correct. And you, and you yeah. said, the, "The Fairfield Inn." They'd say, "Well, that's an odd place to stay." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Another thing gotcha. I learned in Ganawage, one of the many things I learned over there when I worked there, was uh, pie is a euphemism. Uh, not for something that your aunt bakes and puts on a windowsill. <laughs> and when I do, when I do, when I do stand up comedy over there, I always open by establishing my Ganawage street credentials, which are a. I worked for two years on the morning show at K103. Yeah. B, I've watched the Super Bowl at the home of former Grand Chief Mike DeLille. Right. And C, on more than one occasion, I've eaten Joanne Patton's pie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to waltz very delicately through those tulips. Uh, and you're right. And and part of it is, Ted, you know by now you can show up in Ganawaga tomorrow. And, and they the remember first, who you are. Well, the first thing they say is, I thought we got rid of you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, one of, of my favorite remember, stories, yeah. I've yeah. known Ted for a thousand years, yeah. and one of my favorite stories that he tells is uh, being at the uh, the restaurant in, remember you told me about the father and the son? Oh, I've, yeah. I found that to be a very moving story. Yeah. It meant so much to you, and it, it's uh, 
It's a, it's an indication of what you're talking about. Going into the cafe. What's the cafe on the old Malone Road that Buddy runs? I can't remember anyone's name. Uh, there was the bakery. Head. Then there was one, uh, the the breakfast place. The uh, yeah, uh, it's gone Keith. now. Keith. Keith yeah. ran it. Yeah, what was it's it gone now. Oh, it is. It uh-huh. is. Yeah, COVID struck again. It uh, yeah. took out that whole the whole block. Anyway, about 18 months into my two year run in uh, at K103, I'm yeah. going in there one day to get coffee, and there's a gentleman and his son are coming out, and his teenage son, and we said good morning to each other, and I can't tell the story without crying. Yeah. Go for it. Go for it. So I walk by. They go the other way, and he says to his son, that's Ted Bird. He's part of our community now. Yeah. And that means something, Ted. You think? Right? Yeah. Right? What, what does that feel like to belong? And you talk about, I mean, that community is a hard nut to crack, yeah. man. We've seen a lot. You know? That's, it's that pretty hard-boiled. What I liked about that is that it felt earned. Yeah, and it was, Ted. That time there, and part of the proof of that is you can be gone for 20 years, show up one day, yeah. and they're going to look at you as if they just seen you yesterday. Yeah. How you doing, Ted? Where yeah. you been? I go to the shell. Puck comes out and goes, oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, and it's very much like that when um, there was a, a professor at Cornell, Dr. Audra Simpson, who once said something, um, an old friend of mine, and she said something to me. She goes, being a part of the community is not being a resident in the community. It's about being part of our stories. You don't exist until you true until you exist in our stories. And that's what gets carried on, is the stories. And we love telling stories. The minute we get together, the stories come out, and it's always one upsmanship, but who can make the other one crack up or laugh? And that's what's kind of kept us buoyant. What's kept us afloat all these years is that, you know, it's a bit like the Irish, right, where everything is, oh, yep. oh it's just futile, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, turkey tree and a turd. Where sometimes you, you have to laugh in the face of adversity and in the face of grinding uh, uh, pressure, whether legislative, social, whatever it is, you just have to laugh because what's the option? <laughs> Cry. Yeah, you know? I just did. Yeah, but you're. Yeah, like, well, but it, but it means you felt something. It was yeah. in a good way though. Yeah, yeah but you yeah. felt something there, yeah. right? You yeah, felt it's happy crying. Yeah, you're yeah. happy crying. We yeah. talked yeah. about this. We, yeah. we, <laughs> no, but, well, we talked about this on, on an yeah. earlier podcast about how as we age we get a little bit more emotional. Yeah. And uh, I I didn't you know I didn't think Ted was going to cry, but I know that's it's, it, clearly this story means yes. the world to him. Yes, um, because as he said, it you know it was earned. It was, it was earned every morning. Yep. They turned on. Now you have to think in radio. I don't know if yep. you, you guys have been. You guys have done your time. What, what am I going to tell you guys about radio? You were a guest in their home at six o'clock yep. in yep. the morning in their they, bedrooms, in their, their showers, bedrooms, and, in yep. their in their pains yep. and in their joys yep. and victories. And you're there. You're more than just sonic wallpaper. You are a guest in the home. Yeah. And I torpedoed my career when I quit Shome. Yeah. But I wouldn't have had that experience. And I, I hope it's something you carry with you. Oh, shit. I mean, I can yeah. see oh, just yeah. you relaying the yeah. story right now, how profoundly that, that yeah. meant to you. Now, imagine getting up every morning and feeling that. Every morning. And you look around you. And some days I, I wake up and it's like, Imagine all the guys you went to high school with or all your summer summer friends from childhood, and you grew up and you saw them every yeah. day. It's a bit like heaven in that sense, right? You get to see all the people you love, all the people who make up your uh, emotional and mental universe every day on the street. Yeah. 
Can I ask you, um, I'm going to tiptoe into this because... Uh, oh, Jesus, it already feels racist, Terry. <laughs> well, uh, can yeah. I ask you, yeah. that's one hallmark, the yeah. second one is... Here it comes. Yeah. Here it comes. Yeah. I don't well, mean no, to be I, racist. No, 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 I'm getting ready to get punched, though. <laughs> You're still um, within arm's length, my friend. Well, it, it's... Um, How's the heart doing? It, well, if you punch me in the chest, you okay. may kill me. All right. All right. Other than that, I'm okay. I'm curious to know your feeling and understanding and explanation for me mm. about what land acknowledgements mean to you. S-F-A. Okay. That's what I've, I wondered aloud about mm -hmm. that because I'm in no position as a white person to no. comment, but when I see people doing it, I think, and what? What does it mean? Well, like, what are you like? What are you saying? Well, we just want to acknowledge that we're here on the presence of traditional Ganyagehaga uh, uh, territory. Okay, great, fine, fine, fine. No, I just want to say that. So, are are you making an effort now to resolve? We talk about truth and reconciliation. Yeah. And first thing about reconciliation, you're a married man. You were a married man many times over. Yes. And so, you, by experience, you know, you get in a tiff with your with your other half. And you want to reconcile your differences. Yeah. The first thing is, let's acknowledge what I did wrong. Yeah. And that's and that's a part of saying, okay, I did some things. Yeah. They may have been very bad, and now that's sort of the opening salvo. And now, how do we truly reconcile this? It's not enough to just say, yeah, I may have killed some kids, or I yeah. may have uh, stolen a lot of things, or I may have. Uh, plowed your community asunder and ran a seaway through it. Um, where do we go from here? Right. It's it's not enough. So, listen, it's a nice gesture. Uh, uh, on the social, social political spectrum, I tend to lean a little more conservative given my age. Mm -hmm. Maybe I was a little more young and idealistic when I was younger. But... Um, it's it's like it's coming from the same people who decided Latin X was a word. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a hollow gesture. Is it patronizing, Chuck? A little yeah. bit. I know I get uncomfortable. I get the skin crawly things when you I do in an auditorium, and I'm like, yeah. "All right, we're gonna do the thing that makes me uncomfortable." And there might be some people looking at us, some with a little bit of sadness in there. I don't know if they want me to cry like the goddamn Indian on the it, Make America Great from, commercial from the pollution. Yeah, commercial. Yeah, yeah, tin yeah, can on yeah, the side yeah, of the road. Yeah. Uh, but um, th that's that's not us. Great, you acknowledge. There's, but what's still happening today? It, it doesn't resolve anything. Because a friend of mine. It's um, a good question, though. Yeah, and and, 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 I, and, and I, you delivered it in a very sensitive well, manner. Well, like, thank, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm quite thank, impressed by you. Sir. Thank you very much. I, I uh, you're so articulate. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, a friend of mine um, who works for a, a big corporation. Yeah was just instructed, somebody that I know who lives out west, mm -hmm. was just instructed to put a land acknowledgement at the end of their e all their emails. So, it, it, they, you know, when you, you, you know, it's like uh, Al uh, Pissface, right. sales, sales <laughs> <Right>. manager uh, <laughs> right. of uh, Rippity-Doo Corporation, right. and I acknowledge that I, we are operating on the store. Mm. Like, he doesn't even know what to write. No, no, it, and, and, he, and he's saying to me, he's saying to me, if I send this to my clients, how am I contributing in any way? What 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 the fuck are we doing? I I I don't know. I don't know who came up with this. Um, the problem is that we start to build a resistance to it. Uh, I think we see it every day in every email and every caveat on the back of every billboard. Yeah, we become numb to it. Yeah, and it loses any sense of value or meaning. 
It's just words that we just throw out there. Right. Like, hi, how you doing? Yeah. I don't give a shit how you're yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I really don't care. Yeah. Don't, don't tell me because I don't care. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. It becomes yeah. something. It becomes uh, perfunctory. And uh, let's have a real meaningful talk. What does that? What does it really mean at, at the end of the day? And again, I don't speak behalf on behalf of any no. Mohawks. I don't even speak on behalf of the Mohawks of my family, for no. Christ's sake. No, no, but, but you have a, you have a particular perspective that I think is important to talk about. You yeah. know, I, I I'm I'm intensely curious about the issue, yeah. and where we find ourselves at in 2023. And you know, I've I was first exposed, you know, when I oh, born, born and raised Montrealer, and you can all, put your foot back out. Don't all, worry. It's not okay. weird. It's, it's weird. Okay. All, uh, born and raised Montreal, or when we were kids, we knew, mm. forgive me, that the Indians lived in yeah. Cognawaga. Right. That's all we knew. Right. We never learned anything, but nobody no. ever told us about it. I didn't understand <laughs> yeah. what it was. I only yeah. knew what I saw on television. Yes. And then when I moved to Manitoba in 1978, right. where indigenous yeah. cultures are widespread across yeah. the province, right. I was like, Oh, <laughs> oh, that okay. I right, right, and 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 then the more you read about it, there are some communities that are completely yeah. stricken and yep. so in in mired in poverty yep. and corruption and 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 don't thrive in any way, shape, right. or form. And then there are other there are other places across yep. the country. You know, like I think there's a band in Osoyoos mm-hmm. who says we, you know, we 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 want the federal government to leave us alone because we're yep. thriving. We well, figured Kanawagi it. is relatively prosperous. We're, we're almost like libertarian in, <laughs> well, that, in that sense. And, and is a, that a geographical thing? Is that how Kanawagi has been able to prosper to the extent that it has because it's in the shadow of the big city on a major seaway? Well, first let's be very clear: we settled here before you did in 1637. Yes. Understood. Yeah. Okay. And we like yeah. to think of you as our fastest growing suburb. We're very, <laughs> we're very proud. Out of what you've done here. I mean, yeah, oh, there's thanks. been some skips and misses along the way, but yeah. overall, we're, yeah. we're, we're quite proud of, of, of how, how you've grown up. Um, this is, I mean, we're older than Lachine, and Lachine is the yeah. is the oldest established yeah. uh, township in... Uh, yeah, because it wasn't it one explorer thought he got to China. Can you believe uh, it? We found yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. No, but what I'm yeah, talking the Indians about... are in China. Yeah. What, what is I'm, this? What I'm talking about, Chuck, is that there are certain right. there are certain laws that, that uh, if you are a business person in Ghana, you can take advantage of, for example, mm. Mohawk, Mohawk Internet Technologies. Yep. Does that not exist in Ganawagi because there are loopholes? No. No? No. Okay, explain so that Mohawk, to me. Mohawk Internet Technologies is one of over 30, 40 more uh, data centers globally. What it is, is is we're in the technical innovation business. So it's access to fiber. It's access to connectivity. And it's having the know-how and the wherewithal to put all those pieces together to create a complete global network. Mohawk Internet Technologies is just one permutation of that global network. Okay, I thought I thought that it was had something to do with online gambling. Uh, it has hosted. Uh, as much as 75% of the world's online gaming activity at one time or another. But Montreal, most people don't know, Montreal is a hub for online gaming activity. It really is. A lot of leadership came from here. A lot of uh, captains of industry came from Montreal and went on. And, and it's risky. They went out into the mountains. They sought their gold. They went out there with their donkeys and their pans and their and their screens. And, uh, and they made their fortunes. And something about Montreal loans itself to that sense of innovation and overcoming uh, adversity and seeing opportunity in technological markets. I don't know what it is about this city, and I'm not trying to flip it back at you, mm-hmm. but I think it's sort of a, 
it's a broader thing that extends beyond just Ganawage. How does Ganawage uh, persevered and overcome the many challenges, whether it be the Indian Act, which is uh, basically the original Canadian apartheid, okay? So we can turn our nose up and have as many marches to free Nelson Mandela as possible in South Africa, but apartheid was based on the Canadian Indian Act in the 1890s, okay? That's one of Canada's greatest exports, that nobody likes to talk about. It's an awkward sort of <laughs> kind of <laughs> dead kids, apartheid. <laughs> How about them habs? Humming up, humming up, humming up. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's, it's one of those things. Our, for Ganawaga, part of our ability to adapt, improvise, and overcome is that we are one of the few native um, peoples in Quebec that speaks English. We used to be a French-speaking community. At one time. I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 And so you'll, you'll see it resident in yeah. some of our last names as well. So we realized that going into the ironwork trade, geez, just probably close to 100 years now, we started embracing English as the daily, everyday language, as the language of business, the language of work, the language of the, of the workplace. And it was uh, booming out from uh, Ganawage every Sunday night to New York City that kept our community alive. And whether it's building Madison Square Garden, the Twin Towers, uh, the Verizon Narrows, um, I have, I've had both grandfathers who were on the Empire State Building, great-grandfathers. So the New York skyline is really uh, what contributed to the sort of the tenacity, resilience, and the independence of the people of Ganawage. Not that that wasn't already in place. Don't forget, we survived how many wars that you guys fought against each other? constant like rock'em sock'em robots yeah. in our backyard for hundreds of years i'm like enough of this every time we move they bring the war with them and so we managed to persevere stay together as communities keep our language our culture and our identities intact until sort of the smoke cleared at that point only in the last what 20th century which is not that long ago that's our grandfathers and our great-grandfathers I mean, but there's been a Mohawk present on almost every battlefield for the last 300 years in every conflict. If you want to go all the way back to the American Revolution, the American Civil War, War of 1812, we'll burn this place down. We burnt this place down once, we'll do it again if we have to, that sort of thing. And in terms of defending even Canada from the, the U.S. sort of, that's what I'm looking for, the Warhawks at the time attempting to annex Canada. Those were Mohawks, Laura Secord, all those great Canadian history moments. Right. Those were Mohawks. Yeah. So just stay out of our yard. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay out like, of our we yard. don't want trouble. Just yeah. stay out of our yard, yeah. you damn kids. My favorite remembrance ceremony every year is the Mohawk Legion yeah. remembrance ceremony. What is it about it, Ted? Well, it's um, uh, what really packs me in, and here's where I cry again. It is. I was going to say, the, I think he's going to cry. The again. native singers. Yeah. Everyone starts at the Legion. The Black Watch is there, yeah. uh, the Black Watch is yeah. there every year as yep. their guest. Black Watch yep. pipes and drums. Yep. They march to the cenotaph, yep. and then they have native singers, and it just yeah it packs you in. Oh, you're feeling something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. But what's interesting to me, Chuck, is that the overwhelming majority of Mohawk veterans in Ganawage served in the United States Armed Forces. Very few yeah. in the Canadian Armed Forces. Why is that? Because um, I know they have the option, right? They could serve well, in one or the well, other, right? Well, we're citizens, and it was, yeah. it was ratified in, I think, I don't know, 1933 with the Paul K. Daiwo versus uh, the United States in the Supreme Court. It was uh, determined that we are dual citizens, that basically you're, we're in our backyard, whether we're in New York, whether we're in Quebec, 
it's still our traditional homeland and that's nothing new it's what we've always asserted so given the option so okay you grow up on a reserve you live on a reserve you're a young man you're full of that fighting piss and vinegar and maybe there aren't a lot of options for you in life you have a couple this is going back now i'm going back a couple generations okay. now okay maybe not in the today things have changed a bit more with the creeping in of technology and more opportunities and the ability to pursue education don't forget if you were a native person in this country and you pursued an academic career and went to university and you got a degree you were no longer native by that point your native identity was stripped you were you were taken off of the of the status you lost your status wow. simply by achieve, by achieving a certain degree of education okay and the same what's the logic behind that yeah you guys wrote the laws, yeah. not me. <laughs> yeah. okay. Talk to your congressman. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Wow. Well, it's part of a, it's part of a larger. It was part of Canada um, trying to resolve its own, and I'm making air quotes for those who are listening. Air quote Indian problem, which was okay. We're not getting rid of these native people, so it's taking too long. They're not dying off. So what's the solution? Well, you simply you strike them down off the paper as being natives, okay? So enfranchisement could come in the form of achieving a certain degree of post-secondary education. It could be joining the Canadian military, okay? It could be marrying out. It could be any myriad of things. And once you start having less and less native people because they don't exist on paper anymore, you gradually funnel down and you reduce your, air quote, Indian problem. So... The fact of the matter is that a lot of us were migrating back and forth between New York City and Detroit and, and, and these other urban centers. Um, so when we go to the States, there's not that sense of adventure. We're just going into our backyard. Yeah. There's there's no border on the territory, is there? In Well, yeah. The, uh, you mean between the U.S. and Canada? Yeah. So that would be in Akwesasne, which oh, is our Akwesasne. sister community, yeah, but gotcha. an hour away. Yeah. Um, but there is very much a border there. Uh, yeah, there's a border yeah. crossing, but... It isn't acknowledged by the people there, is it? Uh, well, you, you'll get shot if you run it. Or okay. You, but you go through and you flash your status card. Yeah. And they've probably seen you come by 10 times yeah. this week going to, the bre- going to the store to get bread and milk. Right. And you pass through. And right. so that's, that's just the way it's more or less always been, to some degree or another. But you were asking in terms of enlisting. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So in terms of enlistment, okay, if you had the option as a young man, okay, Piss and vinegar, okay, and you have two choices. You can be go, go be a union iron worker in New York, or you can go be a U.S. Marine. What are you choosing? Yeah, I'm. Yeah, yeah I know where you stand. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I know there are. I know a lot of ex-Marines oh, yeah. in in town. We we have more ex ex Marines per capita. Yeah, definitely in Canada than anybody else, but probably even stateside. We have the the largest per capita enrollment in the Vietnam War, and Canada wasn't even part of the conflict. This is volunteering yeah. during during uh, the Vietnam yeah. War. Yeah, I know. I know guys uh, guys in your in mm-hmm. your uh, in your demographic uh, who did tours in Iraq. Yeah. Absolutely, uh, um, Darren Paul yep. and uh, Jay Deerhouse. That's my cousin. Yeah, um, Lance Horn. Yeah, Lance Horn as yeah. well. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, what, another thing that I find really cool is a lot of women. A lot yeah. of women mm-hmm. who served in the U.S. Marines from Ganawage. Like Kirby Delisle, the yeah. fact that the fact that she could beat the shit it, out of me with her bare hands and take me out with a single shot from 500 yards—that's yeah. hot. Chuck. How, how cool that's is that? Very hot. How cool is that? Right? 
you know. Here, here's an idiotic question. Another idiotic white guy question. <laughs> please be racist. Please be racist. Okay. Come on. I'm working yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's amping up. I can't wait for the... Okay. What's up with those feathers? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How come you don't have... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You, you said status card, and yeah. it dawned on me. That's all you need to cross the border, or what is considered to be the border. Yeah. So yeah. So in you don't need a passport. Not in terms of land travel. Yeah. In terms of land. Yeah. In terms of land travel. Right. Our, our status card. Yeah. So every uh, every native person in Canada is issued from birth a government ID. Yeah. They show your papers. Okay. And that's our number from birth to death. Yeah. And we are tracked from birth to death. Our children. Uh, uh, receive a subordinate number that is associated with our number. So we're very much e existent in a database somewhere wow. that's uh, watched very closely. But, yeah, we show our status card crossing crossing the land border. To get on a plane or anything else, obviously, we need the paper passport. That, that wasn't too racist, was it? No. Huh? Yeah, okay. your you're definition okay. of racist. Like, you're like, you're easy, man. I'm, Stand by, Chuck. Yeah, we're yeah, just yeah. getting warmed up. Uh, yeah, that, that Tonto thing. What's up with that? We gotta Speaking take... of Indians. <laughs> what? Speaking of Indians. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, we're going to take a moment. But we're to... talking dot here, yeah. not, oh, uh, okay, not feather. Yeah. Yeah, right. We use that, too, all the time. I know. We love it. That's, okay. where, I, that's where I learned it. I learned that from you. I've heard Indian dot guys use feather. Yeah. And you know what? He'd laugh. I know he would Sugar laugh. Sammy would laugh. Oh, okay. Sugar Sammy is a sponsor of... Of the Standing By Terry and Ted podcast. At least he was up until this yeah, episode. Until a minute ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sugar Sammy is, of course, a groundbreaking Montreal comedian. You can't possibly live in this part of the world without ever having heard of Sugar Sammy. Uh, I mean, just his metro billboards, the billboards in the metro alone are worth the price of admission. He's had so much fun marketing this show, You're Going to Rear. Um, from the first one to You're Gonna Rear 2, or Gonna Rear Do, actually, the bilingual show that uh, both Ted and I have seen and uh, just can't recommend enough. Mitch Garber, uh, uh, when we had him on the podcast, said it's a great date night. And it really is. Um, to, Except your date might leave with Sammy. That's the... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's that. That's the one thing you might want to yeah. keep in mind. He's pretty handy with the ladies. So he sold out the whole first thing, and it took him a while to come up with the... Uh, 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 you know, to decide to do You're Gonna Rear Do, and he's done it. And then all of 2023 sold out. Uh, it's been sold out for months. He puts these shows on sale, and they sell out. This gives you an idea of how good he is, how popular he is, how much fun this show is, how groundbreaking it is. And he's just added dates in 2024. And if you want to go in January, tough tits. Yep. Because <laughs> it's sold out already in January. February is really going fast. I don't know what's going to happen in March and April. I don't know how long he's going to stay on the road. I'll ask him. I'm seeing him. He's bringing this show to Vancouver this weekend. I'm going to go see him as we're recording this. I'm going to see him tomorrow night. Um, and if you want to go see him, sugarsammy.com, uh, go see this groundbreaking, hilarious show from not just one of Canada's great comedians, but one of the world's great comedians. I saw him in San Francisco, and he packed the house for two or three nights and packed everybody in. It was just very, very... Very, very talented, very funny guy. SugarSammy.com.
Maybe we could uh, get Joe and Leo, my old radio colleagues from K103, on the road doing the English and Ganyageha comedy it's show. It's wacky ethnic stylings yeah. from start to finish, <laughs> yeah. my friend. Are Joe and are Joe and Leo both with us? Uh, so Leo's very much with us. Joe has retired as of six months ago. But they're both still alive. Oh, but, oh yeah, good. They're, Glad they're, to hear. Much How about Bre- Sonny Joe? Is he still with us? I haven't checked in on him. Okay, some time please now. do. I'll, please I'll, do. I'll, I'll yeah. Take a memo and yeah. uh, I'll get back to you on, yeah. that, on that. Do you speak Ganyageha, Chuck? Ostunha. I, you know, um, I'm of that age group okay. where um, we're still recoiling from the residential school, uh, uh, the impact of residential school okay. and the effects of the church and whatnot. So while it was spoken in my house, it was not promoted. My my mother spoke it. My mother understood it. Clearly, uh, and again, it's your children. You, it's the mother who primarily raises her children, right? Dad's off doing his own thing and working, grinding out a living and sweating it out. Um, so it was one of those things, um, particularly growing up in the States, uh, where if you stand out, you really stand out. So she, so that's the thinking behind not promoting it. Not promoting it, okay. right? She, my, mom, my mom, speaking for my household, just didn't want us to get harassed, didn't want us to suffer any unnecessary torment at the hands of these tough Irish kids. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. In my neighborhood, so. I can't. You know, I know you. I know I've known you for so many years, mm-hmm. and I know you well enough that, I, like, you're you're a confident, uh, brash, outgoing guy. I can't see you being bullied. I can't see anyone bullying you. But I guess you're a grown man now, and you well, were yeah, a kid I'm, then, yeah, right? I, I, I was much smaller. I wasn't. <laughs> I didn't come to this world this size. <laughs> no? I had to go through certain <laughs> larval stages <laughs> to get here to assume my final Pokemon form. Uh, but yeah, I I was much shorter back yeah. in the old days with a speech impediment and the whole nine yards. So, in my personal case, that's my situation. I'm really encouraged now because. We're seeing a cultural resurgence amongst the young people, 20 and under, and in that age, not just them, but in that bracket, uh, who are really embracing it, the language, and going at it full bore, dedicating their lives, their careers to it, who are uh, entering into full-time Mohawk immersion programs, uh, because we're really, we were nearing the end. It was getting really... It was close, eh? Yeah, it was getting close, and none of that was by accident. These are not just things that just happened along the way. These are by design as part of that overarching uh, resolving the air quote Indian problem yeah. issue. I mean, look, I mean, look, you know me, so I work today. I'm a farmer today. Even the act of farming was outlawed in 1951. Jesus Christ. We, we weren't allowed. Wow. We weren't allowed. You to weren't farm. allowed to farm? Mm-mm. As of 1951, wow. act of parliament declared it illegal. Now, while they couldn't stop us from farming, they could certainly choke us off at the economic end, which was to say, uh, grocers were not allowed to buy their goods from from native farmers. So my grandfather was a farmer, his father was a farmer, and the only thing that kept our farm going, one of the last farms in Gonawagi commercially to still keep operating was the Steinberg family. Wow. Yep. Jeez. It, yeah, so the Steinbergs engaged in illicit, in illicit procurement of native <laughs> fruits and vegetables, uh, and that's what 
allowed our farm to last a little longer wow. than the others, but all the others folded under without this. And this is the this stuff. It's hard to and imagine. Did, they, did these... they do that altruistically or because it was good business or a bit of both? Oh, Steinberg? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure... I'm sure everybody went out in that situation. I'm sure it was favorable. I, I don't know of any altruistic notions or okay. it probably just made this good This is hard sense. to imagine. Those are Indian apples. You can't have, like, you can't, yeah. mm-hmm. this is, this is insane. It was meant to choke us off finan- it was economically because uh, really the story of the 20th century has been about destroying indigenous cultures and destroying indigenous autonomy and economies simultaneously. I mean, you guys go about your lives uh, and, and you don't have to deal with it or even acknowledge it. Or What I was telling you about being a kid in Montreal yeah. in 1960, that's Cognawaga. Yeah. That's where the Indians What are three lived. things you could probably tell about Cognawaga back in the 60s? If you had to reach back into your memory bank and say, what did you know? What did, what did you hear in the house or what did your neighborhood, your friends, whatever? All, all I understood, all we were told was that was Indian land. Yeah. That's where the Indians <laughs> lived. Yeah. yeah. And they were called reserves. Yeah. And nobody explained to me yeah. or us what any of that meant. Right. And I just knew that when you went over the bridge, yeah. And you know, <laughs> you, you would point over there and say, "Well, that's that's Cognawaga. That's yeah." And and it was it was presented to you as a kid as les autres. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's another. You know, it's it's hey, another thing yeah, over there. Exactly. You know, it's like you know. Yeah. And and. Idiotically, no. You're idiotically, a kid. when you're a kid, you say you, things you like, "Do they have arrows? Do they live in teepees?" I still yeah, get that to this day. That, but that's how fucking absurd right. it all is. Yeah. That that you know, when I look back on it now, I think, "Oh my god, yeah. we were such fucking idiots." Yeah. It's it's really. I'm it, what, the what? lack of curiosity is what I find disturbing sometimes. Yeah. Like I could probably name half the streets in Laval for you if I sure. if I had to. Yeah. I know there's a lot of those tempo car shelters, a lot of white brick going on over <laughs> there. And okay, I, I and I, I try to familiarize myself, but um, we have to be curious about the world. Yes. Okay. Yeah. We have to get out there and we have to be brave and we have to ask questions. Yeah. Or we can live in our own insecurity and, for lack of a better word, ignorance. But we've been your neighbors for almost yeah. 400 years now. Well, and so I might ask, well, who do you know from my town? Yeah. Well, we, you know, you know the other thing. Oh, we uh, you know Joe? I, yeah. Oh, Indian yeah. Joe. Yeah. Uh, dark hair, <laughs> yeah. average yeah. height, you know, slightly dark. Yeah, that's him. You know yeah. him. But you know, the, the other thing we were taught, Chuck, was we weren't welcome there. That's and 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 that that was, I guess, an early version of media nonsense. Yeah. You know, because that's that's, you know, that was a sort of. Is sort of a theme that's... I can remember that from growing up in yeah. Fredericton, the tiny yeah. little Micmac St. Yeah. St. Mary's Reserve. Oh, yeah. oh don't go, don't go yeah. near yeah. the reserve. The Indians yeah. will it's kick ridiculous the when you look back on it. Yeah. I, I, can you... Ex- you probably can't explain this to me, but I'm curious. Uh, when you talked about language, mm. are there... You know, if you go Aquasosne, mm. okay. Micmac, like... Because I know, like, Italian is Latin-based. Yes. And, you know, French and Italian are similar. Okay. Like, it's, where. what's the origin of the language, and Excellent. how does it differ from corner to corner in North America? That's a really good question. So, North America is divided. I'm going to screw this up. My linguistic friends are going to, like, they're going to text <laughs> me immediately. L- let's say there are about five or six major language groups in North America. So our language group would be the Iroquoian language group. So we are an Iroquoian people. We have a matri- matrilineal, matrilocal structure. The woman's the boss of the household type of thing. Um, 
our language is sh- is mutually intelligible with at least uh, five other groups of people, the Cayuga, the Onondaga, the Oneida, the Seneca, and to some degree the Tuscarora. But by extension, before the Iroquoian language, there was what's referred to as the Proto-Iroquoian language, which goes back another several millennia before that, at which the Cherokee would have been a a linguistic member of that family at the same time. So um, today it's... uh, the languages between the Iroquoian peoples, those those five, six groups that I named there, are mutually intelligible. There are, like in, if you, uh, if you go to Naples, it's going to be different than if you go to Palermo. Dialects. Yes. Yeah. So there are sudden, uh, they're sudden, there are subtle nuances, but they're mutually intelligible. It's, it's like talking to somebody from Georgia right. and ask them how to get to the Piggly Wiggly. Right. And they're going right. to they're gonna give you an answer. That's, yeah. You have to listen real yeah. hard, but it's a lot like that. So, um, but in terms of the the, the Micmac or the um, uh, Abenaki or the Nipissing, all those people sort of east of us, it's a totally different language group. Really? Yeah. So the word for, for example, where, like where is something, mm-hmm. that would be different out Absolutely. there. 100%. Here. It would be as different than Greek and... Really? It, wow. Yeah, yeah. Greek yeah. and Sicilian, for example. Fascinating. I find it fascinating. I know how to say thank you and goodbye. Please do. Yeah. Well, Ona is... Ona is also hello, is it not? Is it a greeting as well as goodbye Yeah, yeah you're thinking no? of that Hawaiian movie Lilo and Stitch. <laughs> I think. Little brown kid. Big eyes. No, stubby legs. No. Okay. No. Now a Chuck. Yeah, now a yeah, There you go. Now a goal for throwing me under the bus. Yeah, there you go. Thank you, yeah. man. Thank you. Yeah. I also yeah. know... Uh, I don't know what it means, but I've always liked the word... Dewazanidakta. What does that mean? So close. What? So close. Dewadunizakta. Dewadunizakta. That's right. Because I used to, when I used to hear that over there, I'd go, Dewazunidakta, two bits. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's our economic development there you uh, go. commission. Uh, it's what, a, a real, it? real, real, real sexy. But I mean, listen. What, what does it mean? It's just the name of a, oh, of an organization. It's, it's yeah. the name of our. It's they were done exacta. They were done exacta. They were done exacta. Okay, so, I'm gonna work on it. We got a word for everything. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll tell you right now. Uh, but I mean, you, you do the best you can with what we have. Twelve yep. letters. Yeah. Twelve letters, a colon, and an apostrophe. That's yeah. it. And we make them work. Well, <laughs> what, what's with the numbers? Because mm-hmm. in in BC where I live yep. now, there's uh, uh, Squamish mm-hmm. is now what looks to me like Sisqua Seven Mesh. There's there's a, a seven. Oh, okay, okay, and oh. and because the road signs are now bilingual in BC. I've, I've seen that. Okay, I I know exactly what you speak. Is of. it a number? So that's a different. So that's that's, a, that's like um, me asking you, who's a French speaker from Quebec, to translate Russian. Okay, gotcha. Okay, okay. It's such a different language yeah. family. I wouldn't even know where to get my my fingernails into yeah. it. Um, but it's um. Don't forget our, our language. It's and it's even hard to learn written the written form Must be. More, because it was originally transcribed by Jesuits. And you know those buggers love to write down everything they <laughs> yeah. could, and they were crafty little <laughs> mended black gowns, <laughs> having a good time. Anyways, so they uh, they wrote out the language, but they wrote it in such a way that where you know it's not uncommon for our words to be something like eighteen letters long. Right. For a word, yeah. but it, but that word explains with great detail exactly what it is without any question. What it, where it is, to whom it's being spoken, where it's going, everything is sort of encaptured and distilled within that one word. And the way that they sort of um, consolidated the the um, oral or the, the the auditory form of that was in I think twelfth and and thirteen letters, depending on which uh, regional dialect you want to you want to go. What's with. the word for where? Ganume. Okay. 
Why would he need to know? What no, are you no, I for? just, you know, I'm curious. <laughs> Where do you need to get to? <laughs> in, in, you know, it's one of those words like when, when I'm in Italy, I know dove, dove yeah. is, it, it's helpful. Yeah. And seusa and where is that? You know, and I, I thought to myself, I wonder what that is in a, in a, in a. Well, work in, it. Well, yeah. I mean, you must come in and you see your producer Spiro, Nick George yes. over here, and you say, "Yasu, tikanes malaga," and he might ask you, and you go, "Peninda, peninda." You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's fascinating. It's fascinating to me. It's a tough experience for me. Was the only Mohawk getting on an all Greek bus once? <laughs> I, I jumped. I jumped on a bus that was going to New York City one time because you know I, I had to get to New York, but I didn't have the cash. But the Greek Cultural Association. Somewhere was going to see this some musical performer, Daladas, okay, in New York. And so it was like a hundred bucks round trip, and I get to stay in a room with a bunch of Greek guys for a weekend and take care of my business in New York. So they said, My friend, my friend, before you get on the bus, when you go up, you say something nice in Greek, you go up to the front and you say, Tikanes kufales, okay? Kufala. 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 It's uh, the, the stump opening in a tree. You know, like the whole... Oh, like dummy, like retard. No, 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 no. It's, okay. it's probably closer like to... You're hollow, though. Close, it's closer to like a working girl, like a kufala. Uh, okay. Oh, putana. It, uh, no, no, it wasn't putana, it was kufala. Anyways, I get on there. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be the big man on campus, big maga, right? I go up there, hey, tecanes kufalas. There's 30 oh older Greek women who look at me, throwing their purses at me, no. me. Why do you say kufala? Why do you? And I just had to lay low. And, of course, we got to the border. Who's the one guy that gets pulled off the bus? Everybody yep. else has landed immigrant status and papers. I'm the one guy with a status card, and I get yanked. Don't hold the bus up for an hour. Oh, God. So it's uh, it's been a good run. So to go back to your answer, your first question. Yeah. Yes, farming was outlawed in 1951, yes. 1954. Uh, the federal government outlawed the ability for Native communities to organize class lawsuits. So they could not organize the funds to be able to hire a lawyer to fight land claims. Jesus Christ. So wow. uh, if you control the courts and you control the legislation and you control the police, you pretty much, you got the racket tied down. So, but there's a lot of things that are either, and, and I hear this a lot, they didn't teach us that in school. Well, you're a goddamn grown adult. Yep. You've had 40 years under your belt since yep. high school. Pick up a book. Yeah, yeah. D- don't you have Me a modicum of curiosity? Yep. yep. It's just, yeah, what is the whole, hey, the whole Oka 1990 thing? What's yeah. that all about anyways? Yeah. And, and sort well, of. Well, I know that one because I lived it. Yeah, but I too. had no idea about what yeah. you were just talking about. I wouldn't have been inspired to go look that up because I don't know anything about it. I all right, know. I'm going to write down a website. Okay. Okay. You got a pen handy? I do. I'm going to spell it. Yeah. Okay. You ready? Okay. Go. G. Yeah. O-O. Okay. G. Okay. <laughs> L-E. Google. <laughs> Google. Yeah, Google. 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 com. It'll answer any question you have. Why is this guy pink in the evening? But you know what? It's more interesting to me and more fascinating to me to be able to sit down and have a conversation or a, a beer. You know, yeah. like my question to you about the land acknowledgements, I've been wanting to ask somebody from a Native community that for a couple of years now. Yeah. And unfortunately, I don't know anybody. 
You got me, Terry, what right here. Yeah, what, all right. Give, give me some, man. Ted's been keeping us apart. Ted's known me for over a decade. I've been running interference. And he's trying to keep his world separate. And this is the thing. When you mesh and you get together with people and people break bread or drink beer and have conversations and say things like, I'm going to ask you a question. Now, don't punch me. You know what I mean? That's the way we learn about each other. Let me be your lifeline. Okay. You need to make that call. You call, I'm going to give you my cell number. You call okay. me. I'm going to chuck him in a pinch him in a bathroom yeah. right now. Okay. Uh, this guy's saying something to me. I have no idea. I have a question. Okay. Go for it, man. Mind. Poseidon has a question. What's up with uh, the the no clean drinking water that I oh, keep hearing? Oh, man. Because so, I've heard mm. multiple stories. Yeah. I've heard it's uh, some <coughs> of the reserves' faults. I've heard mm-hmm. it's that they're in two, the places are too remote. I've heard they don't have the equipment or the money. I keep hearing mm. 80 different things. So, Excellent question, my yeah. nautical friend. Um, because he is Poseidon, uh, he is. I'm he's assuming a, he's here. He's the god of the sea. <laughs> is he now? And so... God uh, of the ponds, actually. What's that? The god of the ponds. The ponds. Like, oh, okay. There's yeah. a whole Medusa story in there, too, which is a little <laughs> a little touchy in this day and age. Yeah, you know your mythology. I try to stay up with what the kids said. The kid, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, the kids love this Onassis network. They're all talking about it on the streets. They're like, the Onassis network. No, I'm kidding. I make fun. Uh, um, the thing with the water. Okay, look. So, um... Uh, let me try and wrap this really nice and tight to make it really understandable. So, um, the native people of Canada were not exactly allocated the finest real estate that the <laughs> that the lords had to offer. Okay, so I shouldn't be laughing. Like, no, 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 I'm trying to deliver. Stop with making it funny. Or else yeah. it's yeah. like making out Schindler's List, right? Okay. Okay, um, we were we were not placed on the most productive of lands. Mm-hmm. Okay, and again, remember this was not by choice. Okay, we're talking about the Indian Act. We were uh, put into the most uh, non-productive lands, as far away as anybody than anybody had to see them. Okay, we were a problem to be moved and to be kept out of sight. And hopefully, over time, they will give up to despair, depression, and uh, being choked off from the greater society, and they'll just die out. In a hundred years from now, nobody will have ever heard of them. It'll be the problem you resolve. So what happens? You have communities spring up, okay? You also have dumps. So it becomes very, um, we're going to say people in the <clears throat> waste management industry, okay? It becomes very easy for them to dump their materials n- on or near native grounds because there's no policing. Native territories are not governed by provinces. They're governed by the federal government, okay? So when you go... When you effectively, for all intents and purposes, when you cross the Mercier Bridge in Nagonawaga, you're leaving Quebec. You're, you Quebec, yep. The Quebec law does not apply yep. there. You're entering sort of this federal grayish zone from a, a legislative or legal perspective. So um, there aren't a lot of... It becomes very, ac- very difficult to access the necessary infrastructure um, n- needs to be able to provide something like clean, potable water, solid infrastructure, particularly if you live in a remote community where everything has to be flown in, okay? We're, we're going to put them on the most remote piece of property as far away from anybody as possible, hope they die off there, and they eventually become <coughs> just a footnote in history. So getting infrastructure developed into these remote places is very difficult in the first place, okay? In places like... Um, there are other communities as well, too. It's the management, uh, because nobody wants to hone the chiefs, as they said in Slapshot, okay? 
federal government doesn't want the problem. The federal government will argue, well, that's a provincial problem, okay? The province, the neighboring communities have the infrastructure. Why not tie into their infrastructure? The province says, well, it's not our problem. That's, a, that's really, a, these Indians are a federal problem. That they're, they're your guys. You deal with them. And so we fall into a bureaucratic and administrative wasteland for generations. Listen, we don't want to have foul water. We want to be able to drink water just like you. And, Ted, you come to my house, and I've got a water bubbler by the door. I know it's very swanky, and it's very, it looks very old. Look at this. They, they have a Brita water filter on every tap, even the bathtub, as a matter of fact. It's because we fall into that gray zone. We're neither fish nor fowl. We're neither provincial nor federal. What are you going to do? And quite frankly, politically, uh, Native people, well, Mohawk specifically, we don't vote in external elections. We don't vote in provincial or federal elections. But Native people across Canada are not represented within the um, uh, parliament. We have no representation there. So if Natives don't vote, okay, and they have no voice and they have no official representation in the House, then who's going to speak up for them? Has it not gotten any better under his ostensibly indigenous friendly uh, uh, friend, you know, the prime he, minister? He, he hasn't. Listen, and don't get me wrong. Uh, I, I call myself. I'm, I'm a friend of Mark Miller, his uh, his yep. former minister of Indigenous Affairs. Mark and Mark's been over my farm. We've hung out. We've shot the breeze many Nobody times. Nobody is more. I've never met a more dedicated minister Mm-mm. than. Than we've never seen anything Mark, like him. Mark, Mark, and that portfolio are, are just unbelievable. Mark's so it has not. In, it did not improve with him in that portfolio. Oh, I, I think it did in terms yeah. of the communication and yeah. cooperation. Mark was a great asset. We were. Not we. I was sad to see him go, as I'm sure many yeah. others have expressed that they were sad to see him go for the first time. We have a. You have a minister who's learned to speak Mohawk and spoke Mohawk, right, in Parliament, in his opening address. That has never happened, ever. I've never known a non-Native who spoke Mohawk like that, much less a, a, a member of the Cabinet. Yeah, you talk about reconciliation, acts of reconciliation. I like Mark. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, listen. Politically, we're we're in different places. Sure, as, yeah. a, as a human being, the, I like the this guy. This is the thing we were just talking. We, we were talking about on a previous episode of the podcast. We we're talking about the political conversation in the country has you know has gone all sideways because you know you you can't just disagree with them, a, a politician. Now mm-hmm. you've got to throw rocks at them or you know. A, Put stickers on your car that say "fuck Trudeau," yeah. you know, or you argue with. You can't just you can't just have a debate. You have to pull someone's mouth open and yeah. shit down their throat and tell them what a piece of shit they are. That, that escalated fast. Yeah, <laughs> went from political but exchange they, to uh, open your mouth and shit down that, your esophagus. That's that's where the the debate is going. You used to be able to have a conversation or a spirited debate, as they used to call it, and now it's like. Fuck him and screw him. Well, and, it's, it's it's and he's a piece of shit. Well, because it's low resolution. Yeah, big so time. So we went from 128 yeah. bit down to eight bit conversations yeah. with eight that's bit words. A, that's a great way to describe it. You know, you um, guys need more of those 26 letter words, yeah, really, yeah. To, to explain something. I want to uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Chuck's experience in television, um, <laughs> but we have to because uh, we don't want to just talk about. No, we I, don't want to make it yeah. political, but that's yeah. where the conversation yeah. went, and yeah. I'm good with it, and you're good with it. And I'm, I'm okay. We're okay. all friends. Yeah, we're all Listen. friends. Yeah, yeah. No, we haven't been too racist. Eh? No, 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 no. A tiny no, no. bit, but well, not. Uh, come on, Ted. <laughs> you brought you brought up the feathers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you brought that shit on yourself, woman. 
Back in the kitchen. Let's talk about uh, our good friends at uh, Accutech. It's a new sponsor that has jumped on board, and we, for the love of God, don't know why, because um, Accutech is a second generation. Well, it's run by Tom, who is a second generation master electrician. His father started this company uh, over 25 years ago, and now uh, Tom has taken what he learned from his dad and taken his father's philosophies and applied it to the ongoing uh, success of Accutech Electric. And they can look after just about anything. And it doesn't matter if it's residential. It doesn't matter if it's industrial, commercial. Um, they can help you with a lot of things you wouldn't think of. For example, during the ice storm back in April of uh, this year, uh, Accutech was out supporting as, as many clients as they could. They were trying to get people to, to help them restore their power or safely have their power lines repaired. They've had all kinds of conversations over the last year with residential and commercial clients who are trying to get prepared for the next big storm because there is going to be a next time. And they distribute a product called Generac Generators that they're very proud of. And they offer in-person evaluations of your home or your building's electrical consumption, and they'll help you prepare for another event like that from running heating and lights to just having enough power to maintain your fridge. Uh, they'll tell you what the solutions are. Or they can do a simple electrician uh, job at your house. They can help you with an upgrade. Um, and I had a long conversation with Tom and Trish, and I love the philosophy of this company, the way they support their employees. They uh, work hard to be transparent. And again, family-run business, owner is readily reachable if you need to talk to them. If you need anything that has anything to do with electric work, Accutech Electric. That's A-C-U-T-E-C-H, Accutech.ca. I can tell by the tears on your Generac that you're never, ever, ever, ever coming back. Anybody else remember that song? Or I just do me? not. The tears in your Anorak? I'm waiting for the big build-up of the chorus. Oh, no. Yeah. That's the only part that I remember. Uh, okay, I do not. Yeah, it, was I do a, not. Uh, it was a song back in the day yes, that no okay. one remembers I love my Accutech. Me. Yes. Use it every day. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about cars. About oh, you want to talk about cars? Let's talk about cars. Never got rid of that hard air, hard air from yeah. the Maritimes. Yes, you uh, you restore Mustangs. Don't I you? am a huge fan of the first generation Mustang, and I've owned many, many over the years. I, listen, I'm not one of these redneck, uh, take care of Chevy and shove it up your ass. I'm, I'm not like that. I, I just happened to grow up around Fords. Uh, I've had a lot of Fords from the 60s, uh, and I just fell in love with the 1965-1966 Mustang and managed to accrue over my life probably was 16 of them over the years. Wow. I like them a lot. I'm you a little a OCD, a little bit of a fixation, a <laughs> gotcha. little bit of a OCD going on there, you know, and uh, so that's what I do in my spare time. Uh, I own a number of 65, 66 Mustangs, mostly convertibles, and I while away the long winter Canadian months. Very cool. Yeah. That's and wow. uh, Yeah, and I work on those. And wow. It's well, if you went to Jaguar Land Rover Laval, and oh. I, I think you could use a Land Rover, Chuck, living I, out on the farm as you do. Me more. A Land Rover Defender. I think Chuck would look good in a I Land so Rover too. Defender. A yeah. British name you can count on. There you go. By the way, uh, I'm going to get to that afterwards, speaking <laughs> of British. Uh, Jaguar Land Rover Laval are longtime sponsors of this podcast. They've been with us since the get-go. Uh, and they now have an exclusive deal with iCar. You know the iCar track up at Mirabelle where you can go out and, and... I was just there last week. You were not. You're making that up. 
Play along, Ted. Okay. This is how it goes. They Theater now, of the mind. They now have an off-road track. And Jaguar Land Rover Laval is the exclusive sponsor of that off-road track. And uh, were you to purchase a Land Rover Defender, well, you could take it right up there and uh, go on that track to your heart's delight. And if I know Nino and Renato DiCubellos and Adrian McGrath, their marketing director, like I think I know them, there will be more than one client event that will take place on the iCar off-road track sponsored by Jaguar Land Rover Laval. Uh, they treat their clients so well at that dealership, and it's uh, you can get uh, you can get all kinds of luxury vehicles uh, anywhere you want. Uh, but it's uh, customer service and client service that makes the difference, and it doesn't get any better than it does at Jaguar Land Rover Laval, Jaguar.ca, or LandRover.ca. Did you buy that shirt in England? You wear the nicest shirts. Would you stop, please? You wear the nicest shirts, Chuck, and they all look like they come off Seville Row. I, uh, I, I, I like to go on German Street when I'm in London. I, I, do, I do like the clothes there. Is that a London bot shirt? Uh, no, actually, this, this is a domestic. This is uh, Oh, yeah? yeah no, I'll, uh, no, all my Land Rover Defender shirts okay. are currently in storage right now. All and right. Uh, uh, waiting for my return to the Empire. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, this is, this, is, this is pretty much this is a local... Well, it's very nice. Little local rag. Tell me about being on TV, eh? Hey, crazy fighting back. What a series! <laughs> Kids loved it. They Thanks. couldn't wait to get Wasn't home from school. Fighting back, son. <laughs> Shut up! I'm watching fighting back. Do you remember the song? Fighting back. Hey. 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 <laughs> yeah. They done. Uh, two songs I remember. Yeah. All right. Now that I've met you for the first time, now okay. we've never met before, is the fighting back song, and then fashion television. Dun. Oh. Was it fashion television? I think it was fashion television. What was her name? Jeannie Jeannie Becker. Jeannie Becker. I woke up one morning and she's in my living room. No word of a lie. They were, my wife at the time organized a shoot. Jeannie Becker set up something, some indigenous fashion. I go downstairs and Jeannie Becker's there in my living room. They're setting up lights and I'm like, nobody told me this was happening today. This is Wednesday. (laughs) I was going to sleep in today. So I'm in my robe and only my robe, stirring my coffee and Jeannie Becker's, and, and I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm, I'm mentally impaired at that. I'm not, I'm not right in the head. So I'm stirring my coffee. And I said, Miss Becker, it's a pleasure to meet you. Please make yourself at home. And my brain is saying, say more, brain. You're, <laughs> come on, you, got, you could do better than that. You, she thinks you're stupid. And I'm like, you know, I really, uh, I really enjoyed fashion television as a young man growing up. Um, and she's just looking at me with the most empty husk. <laughs> eyes just looking through through my very soul and uh you know particularly the theme song i remember but what i really liked was on when those mesh shirts came out you know the ones where you could see all the business underneath here and my brain is saying keep going, keep oh. going. you're knocking them dead <laughs> and uh to, you know to her credit she um she acknowledged it and she said thank you very much and it became definitely quiet in my kitchen i just said I'm going back up to bed right now. <laughs> I'll see you folks when you're done. So there. My my great pantheon, my my, my uh, um, he had all the bigs. I got Terry DeMonte from Fighting Back, and I've got Jeannie Becker from Fashion Television. That's the, almost the Canadian trifecta. I was going to say, that's iconic. That's Canadiana. Oh, yep. it, it is. That's, yep. that, that's as good as it gets. But you you did have a, a time on television, did you? Sure, not? I did. A couple yeah. of times on yeah. television. Yeah. What, what, get, tell us about I, it. I was part of uh, a show on Discovery Channel called Junk Raiders. Mm-hmm. Um, word kind of, I don't know how. I put up a few YouTube videos, nothing big, uh, and a friend of a friend of a friend who was a friend of the producer of the show saw them. They called me in, had an interview. 
Uh, they signed me up. So basically, the premise of the show is this. They get, uh, it's a Canadian show shot in Toronto. So basically, they get five tradespeople, six tradespeople from across the country. Throw them together for 30 straight days. There's a great uh, uh, collection of personalities, we'll say. We got the guy from... Uh, from Manitoba, you've got the guy from Vancouver, is a little more liberal. Then you got the Newfin there. Is what we can say? Can we say New? Sure, we have, we have the Newfoundlander, yeah, 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 yeah. and uh, and so it was a great mix. And you throw a Mohawk in the mix, and a, a little blonde girl from Toronto, and we, it's a party. And they give us thirty days and five thousand dollars to renovate an entire restaurant wow. that looked like it had. Um, it looked like it was in Baghdad. Like this, this hospital. You, you know, you know what I mean. It was like Lebanon in the 1980s. It was just bombed right out. So we just uh, we went to work on that, and then um, the producer of the show, who is also the owner of the um, production company, and they have a number of shows that are still on TV now today called um, uh, "Come Dine with Me," uh, "Canadian Storage Wars" is another one. All reality shows. Yeah, they're all. Yeah. These, yeah. Oh, what do they call them? Uh, non-scripted television. Oh, okay. yeah, my yeah. Rea- rea- You know, they, they rebranded rea- them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Non-scripted television. And um, so after that show wrapped, I got offered a couple other shows. We shot pilots in Vancouver. We shot pilots across the country. And the longer it went, and and you know, if you've ever been engaged in a television production deal or been held under contract. It's a lot of hurry up and wait. Yeah, big time. Yeah, you know what? There's a lot of promises. This is going to be great. I yeah. know we're going to sell it. We're yeah. meeting at Banff this year. It's going to be huge. And you wait, and you wait, and the cobwebs grow. And then they say, well, we showed it. We screened it for them. Can you do it like this, but now do it with explosions? Okay? <laughs> or yeah, So we ended up doing... Um, we ended up doing about nine different pilot shows. Wow. And the final straw for where I just said, I'm done with this is, uh, you know, Mike Holmes from Homes and Homes. So Mike Holmes was set to retire um, several years ago. He's like, I made my money. I want to go back. I want to go back out there, start get my, my contracting consulting business going. And, um, they were expecting his retirement. Now there's another show called like house of Brian, Brian Baumler. Uh, I think it's on DIY. Uh, they were going to put, Brian Baumler into Mike Holmes' slot, and I was going to take over Brian's slot at that point. At that last minute during negotiations, um, Mike Holmes came back and said, yeah, I'll do it, but I'll do it in game show format. Where wow. We, yeah, I, I don't know what that was all about. And so the, it all fell apart. But I knew the shows were getting bad when every couple of weeks they said, all right, we're going to shoot another show. We've got, we've got a warehouse booked for the weekend. Okay, what's the tentative working title for the show? Okay. Bear with me. It's called Blow Shit Up. And I'm like, <laughs> we're really circling the drain now. Wow. At one point, they were working Blow on one up. where they wanted to send me to former uh, places in Europe where that had been the home of armed conflict or of uh, prison riots to explore improvised weapons, uh, shanks and shivs and and uh, things that were used to explore the history and, and to do recreations with body gels to see if... Could a shiv made out of a number two pencil and a hammerlock sharpener really work? Wow. So stuff like that. Someone and, was drunk at that meeting. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was it just it just degenerated and got really, really bad. You know what would make a good non-scripted television show? What? Your hunting trips. 
Oh, brilliant segue, my friend. I just got back from moose hunting uh, two weeks Did ago. Did you get kicked in the head this no, year? No, I steered clear this year. Uh, I brought the picture, actually. <laughs> Did you, yeah. show Terry? Okay. Well, let's tell the, <laughs> tell the story first, Chuck. This was last year, right? Uh, two years ago. Okay, well, let's go back even further. Uh, you and some of the other guys from town, you yeah. go every year, right? Yeah, uh, Fafa McCumber, who yeah. I think you know. I know Fafa yeah, well, and yeah. Donna. And so Fafa and I go moose hunting every fall. We'll go with his son. We'll bring a third party, a buddy of ours named Cody. And... Uh, uh, this one particular year, it was just the three of us. It was me, Fafa, and a younger guy named Russell who had been doing some work with me. And uh, lo and behold, like an hour, an hour into the hunt, boom, big bull. Big 900-pound young bull. Where were you, northern Quebec? Uh, out towards Micmac territory, as a matter of fact, towards uh, New Brunswick. Oh, okay. Okay. So it was a good, you know, 10, 12-hour drive. It was a long haul to get out there. Within the first hour, we seen a moose, boom. Is the young guy, the young guy Russell, it was his first chance to shoot a moose. Let him have it. Shot the moose. The moose sort of staggered for a second, so I shot him in the shoulder. Moose dropped right there. We're celebratory. The, the cigarettes and the cigars come out. We're enjoying life. Because if you've ever been hunting, you've been hunting, Terry? No. There's an adrenal force that's so, that just overcomes you. Yeah. And it's, it's not the chase, and it's not even the kill. It's all of it together where you're just, you, and I don't want to over romanticize it and get like I'm t- telling a Farley Moat story or something. It's, you are at your basic essence of who you are. Strip away everything else, the bills, the the wife, the whatever, the Land Rover Laval, whatever you got going on. Strip away all that. You are your basic core essence of a man of a human being, okay? So you get dumped with this adrenaline where you're just pumped, the moose drops, it's beautiful, it's textbook, we stand around, we light up the cigars, we got it done. Now the hard work begins. What people don't consider when they're hunting, it's not the hunt, it's not even the shot fired. It's the next four to six hours you have to spend now quartering, gutting, field dressing, and dragging out of the woods to get this thing back home to a freezer somewhere. So it's a task. It's not it's not Elmer Fudd where you shoot and slam yeah, over your back yeah, on a stick yeah. and <laughs> Yeah. And it, what does this thing weigh, Chuck, approximately? This one probably came in at about nine hundred pounds. Jeez. At that point. Okay, yeah. So we drop the moose, moose goes down, we lay up the cigars, take a few minutes to sort of relax and enjoy the moment as we do with these these occasions. And uh all right, it's time to work. Our friend uh, Fafa says, all right, Chuck, you grab the right leg. I'll grab the left. We'll shackle her up, and uh, we'll, drag her, we'll drag her out to the road. And it was her. It's a, it was a young, young bull. So the one thing I did is I checked the moose before I went back there, poked his eyeball w- with the, uh, the barrel of my, my rifle. Nothing. Eyeball was still. And then I ventilated, I ventilated him through the, uh, through the, through the under his jaw, okay. put, put air conditioning in the back of his head. Gone. Okay. Go along to the back hoof. All right. Let's spread her open. And just then, as I'm holding that rear hoof in two hands, it actively pulls out of my hands, comes back, and hits me with the force of a young Mike Tyson circa 1986. Sent me six feet through the air, and I landed on my arse. And in that moment, I didn't know what it had. It, it, it was unbelievable. The impact was like, just like getting hit by Mike Tyson. Imagine some night you're sitting at a bar oh having God. a chat with a, with a gal. <clears throat> Up comes Mike Tyson without warning. <laughs> yeah. Clocks you right in the head and sends you right into the men's room. It, 
It, it literally came back from the dead. It, it came, it was... Was it rigor mortis, Chuck, or was it still alive? So what happens is often with m- many mammals, there is a lot of built-up neurological activity that is... Ten- and the muscles are tensed, yeah. okay? So he, we just shot the moose. The muscle's tensed, and there's still this electrical neurological activity that's happening within the cerebellum and the spinal cord, okay? What had happened was as deliberate as if I was shaking a grown man's hand wow. that hoof pulled out of my hands and cold cocked me right wow. in the eye. Directly in the eye, I sailed, hit the ground, and like the fighting Irish, I jumped right up. <laughs> You're ready to go? Yeah. <laughs> and my, yeah, my compatriots were looking at me because they saw what had happened, but more importantly, they heard it. They heard. They only described it as hoof on meat is what mm-hmm. it sounded like. I stood up and my eye was split open because the, the, with enough force, the, the, the hoofs will, they're sharp. It split my, right across my eyelid, down my eye here and just gushing blood. And I said, somebody hit me. Somebody hit me. I, they must have jumped out of the bush, hit me, and then ran away. So you didn't realize Nothing. that it was the moose. Never lost consciousness, but sure got stupid really fast. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so, Were you concussed? Um... The, there was no dilation of the pupils. There, I didn't lose consciousness. There was none of the, the, the dizziness or any of the symptoms you would associate with concussions. But you had the cartoon stars going oh, around. Oh, yeah. my <laughs> Lord. Whistles and birds. It was, <laughs> it was bad. And then uh, but the problem is we are hours, hours from a hospital yeah. at closest. We are hours from anywhere at this point. So... Might as well hunker down and cut this moose up. So then we spent the next four or five hours blood gushing out of my head. My my face swole to something like um, well, we have a the picture. elephant wow. man. Yep. <laughs> if you're watching the podcast. John Merrick. Have... Oh, yeah, yeah. oh. <laughs> don't, don't look directly into it. No, no, no. Just get a peripheral view. Yeah. Yeah. So, Christ, Chuck, you're God, lucky. Yes. You're yeah. lucky you didn't lose your eye. Yes. No, absolutely. Yeah. Well, well, the... The crazy thing is, the next day we came back, we we hoisted it up into a tree because we weren't going to drag it out at night, so we hoisted it up into a tree, came back for it the next morning. When we loaded the rear quarters onto the tailgate of the truck, that same hoof slipped off the tailgate, and the young man that was with me, it hit his boot, and it cut right through his boot. Yeah, into, that's I Listen, I am the luckiest guy alive. I've had cars fall on my head. Ooh, okay, I've been kicked by a moose. I've been chased with guns, stabbed. I've had an appendix explode and wait three days before I went to the hospital because I thought it was gas. Uh, I've fallen off tall structures. Um, I'm not saying I'm indestructible. I'm just... Uh, you're and, lucky, and you know, man. some yeah. people would say, serves you right, you fucking moose killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's well, for sure. Well, listen... Well, where's your food come from? Yep. All the food in my freezer was either raised and slaughtered by me, chickens... Pork, everything. I would do it all on my own farm, or I hunted it in the hunting season. So whether it's deer meat or moose meat, I I got to be a part of that animal's life. If I didn't rear it, raise it, feed it, love it, brush it, and water it every day, and give it the best life possible, either on my farm or when I'm out in the woods, making sure it was a a humane kill. It was swift. The dispatch was quick. The suffering was minimized and mitigated, and I used everything. So everything from that moose goes to use. So I run a school for uh, young adults. Um, it's, it's my own thing uh, to sort of combat the effects of the Indian Act and the and the destruction of Mohawk families is I sort of come in, and I te- and they're able to stay with me for three years, and I teach them bush skills. 
I teach them traditional uh, farming and agricultural skills, carpentry, welding, automotive, um, the type of hand skills that maybe were more commonplace 60 years ago amongst adults. And so that's what I dedicate my time to now. Not just chasing moose, but listen, I love moose meat. You ever had moose, Terry? No. I know Ted hasn't. No. So, so we got to do something. It is absolutely succulent. It's, it's tender. You always want it medium rare, more towards the rare side, because moose has almost no fat in it. Gamey? Nope. Okay. Not at all. All right. But and you're preaching to the choir because I'm a food chain guy, but I was yeah. just acknowledging yeah. Yeah. that because I yeah. know people, people watching are listen, yeah. Will, yeah, for or sure. listening yeah. will say it serves yeah. you right for shooting Well, listen, moose. If, you can take, if you can take issue with a native guy <laughs> yeah. hunting moose, okay, in season within Indigenous territories— like the really, <laughs> yeah. really, Chuck, you're preaching yeah. to the what, choir. Yeah. What, what do I have to yeah. do here? No. Give me a land acknowledgement. Yeah. Give me, give, give me something here. I'm I, doing my best with the rules you're making on really me. Keep switching the, the rules. We, we want you to be Indian. Yeah. We don't want you to be Indian. <laughs> <laughs> stick to oh, a stick Christ. to a script. For, Chuck, Chuck's a good sport, isn't he? <laughs> Chuck, you're a great sport, yeah. and this was uh, illuminating and fascinating. And I can't thank you enough for spending time with us. Oh, we I, got a tweet sheet to do before <coughs> Chuck goes. And I'm, what's and, that all about? Well, the tweet sheet, Chuck, is something I yeah. do on my radio show. On uh, What's the name of my radio show? Yeah, Depeche Toi, because we also have commercials yes. to do, and I'm going to fall right over. Okay. On Light 106.7 <laughs> yeah. in Ganawaga, I pick three tweets every day that I think you are funny. You see what you just did? Yeah. So you mixed your call letters with your with your locale. So he was like, I like oh, 106 is going to, but I love I'm it. Yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, we are yeah. so <laughs> embedded in you subliminally. Yeah, yeah. Light 106.7 in Hudson. And um, and I bring some to the podcast as well. And and these these are actually two of these we did on the Bill Brownstein episode, but they they so reminded me of Chuck that I've brought them back. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. uh, including at? this one from at <laughs> six two and even. I saw three ravens yesterday and fell into an Elizabethan despair, so I immediately put on my trusty codpiece, wrote 100 sonnets, and began wooing several maidens by the light of a beeswax candle. What is he, some kind of fop? A dandy? From at GN Doe, can one of you millennials make my phone ring sound like a Tennessee farmhouse screen door closing on a languid August afternoon, ice cubes slinking in a pitcher of sweet tea as a cigar box banjo gets tuned? Is this what we've become? We've devolved. We were, we were so much better than this just two generations ago. But it's it's very timely. It is. Yeah, it is. What else we got? We got a couple more, I think. From at Benedict, Benedict's Red. I just shared some tricks with a rabbit. My entire life is a fucking lie. He's not wrong. No. And from at Hexprax. I love that beavers have a genetic dislike of the sound of running water. They're born at the river like, God damn, shut the fuck up. What's with all this fucking racket? Jesus Christ. Can somebody do something about this fucking noise? Fine. Never mind. I'll take care of it. Dad. <laughs> there you go. That's the tweet sheet, Chuck. I like Curated it. with you in mind. That's a, that's a very a curious assemblage. It of, is, isn't it? Yeah. I, I like what you're doing here. Yeah. Just before we go, we have to give thanks uh, to our uh, good friends at uh, Matla Bonheur. Matla Bonheur is a company I've been speaking on uh, their behalf for a long, long time. And I don't think Ted had ever been to a store until this week when I brought him to the original Matla Bonheur store on Gwen Boulevard in St. Genevieve and uh, introduced you to the shopping experience that I've been talking about 
for a long time on the radio on this podcast. I don't get out to the mattress stores too often, Chuck. No, sir. I'm more of a Mercer man myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we went to Met La Bonheur's original location on Grand Boulevard in Pierre Font, and I had no, I had no uh, inkling or no uh, uh, plans of buying anything when we got there. But when we did get there, and I started to look around, I was kind of like, you know, I need a new duvet, and those are pretty nice. And uh, Kevin set me up with exactly what I need. They're like sleep consultants. That's exactly... Yeah. That's Do you sleep on your back or yeah. on your side? Yeah. You know? I'm a belly guy. Yeah? You You're a belly sleeper? Yeah, I'm a yeah. big belly sleeper. He go. could fix yeah. you up with what you need. Mattress-wise, bedding-wise, he sold me the perfect duvet and duvet cover for me. And because I knew the um, uh, the promo code, yes. Terry and Ted, yes. I got a discount. Yep. Uh, I happen to be Ted of Terry and Ted. <laughs> That's why I knew the promo code. Matt Bonheur, 17 locations in and around the city and at matlabonheur.ca. And before we go, uh, another tip of the cap to our friends at Merson Automotive. On um, the last uh, podcast, uh, Ted was having a little trouble uh, with the Mersons. Urson Auto. Urson Auto. Yeah, we went by Urson Auto yeah. to say hi to uh, Carla and, and Iso, or whatever I call them. I'm sorry, Kara and you Celso. Said Celsa. Celsa. <laughs> Celsa. What is he, a dip? Yeah. <laughs> Um, the Mersons have been looking after Montrealers' cars for a very long time. Um, over 50 years, third generation now running the business, and uh, they can take care of everything, whether you need uh, new tires, uh, you, you have to replace your winter tires, store your summer tires, um, there's a, your brakes are making a funny noise, you're not sure if the transmission is working properly. <clears throat> excuse me, you're trying to make sure that you can extend the life of your car for another year or two. They can look after all of these things. They've been doing it for a very long time. And they also uh, have rebates on winter tires, this being the winter uh, busy winter tire season. Uh, Yokohama offers a rebate, uh, and the Merson carry, Mersons carry that every year. So uh, when you go to see them, and if you need new winter tires, ask them about the Yokohama rebate. They'll tell you if you need new tires. And what I really like about the Mersons is they'll tell you if you don't. Yep. They'll look at your tires and say, "No, Honest you got another season. You got yeah. another season left yeah. on those. Yeah. You're good." As opposed to the old, "Oh boy, yeah. I, I wouldn't go anywhere <laughs> on those things." Mersonauto.com. You can also call them at four eight seven fifty five forty five. People will actually answer the phone. That's right. So it might, like that. might even be the owner. That's right. Yeah. Um, Chuck, thanks so much. No, I, thank you, Terry. I really, I, I really enjoyed chatting with you. I wish that I would have met you sooner. My we'll, eyes are up here, Terry. We'll have to, <laughs> we'll have to do it again. But listen, we'll get to together. Have Let's have a yeah. moose barbecue. Okay. I would like to come to the farm. You you invited me to the farm, and I haven't come yet. Fair. I would like yeah. to come to the, the farm. Yeah, Stop yeah, making yeah, fun yeah. of my hard ass. Yeah, I'm from down east. For Christ's sake. I love a good Charlie Parkinson. Nice. <laughs> Come and down to the farm. Bring uh, bring Terrence here with you. Hundred percent. Uh, we'll roast to. Yeah. Well, when are you back? Love to. Um, not sure. Have to let you know because off to the west coast tomorrow morning. Absolutely. Yeah. And good for you. Right okay. on you, sir. Thank you. <laughs> um, and we we must thank Poseidon because we we, we've, we've we been must. ignoring you today, Poseidon. Thank yes, you. it's yeah. fine. Don't worry. It's gonna <laughs> okay. be okay. All right. He's a thank, good boy. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Don't forget. You can find us online with Standing By Podcasts. We have a Facebook page, Instagram account. Uh, follow us on Twitter. And uh, Sam's got us on the TikToker. Yeah, my boy Sam has yeah. got us on the TikToker. Just go and you'll see us.
Standing by, the Terry and Ted podcast has been brought to you by the UPS Store Canada. The UPS Store near you is locally owned and operated by a member of your small business community. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.